Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places close to our home. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Places Where We Go podcast. And today, we're going to continue our Wyoming National Park Sites journey. As a reminder, if you haven't listened to the beginning part of this series, on this trip, we set out to visit Every place that's listed in Wyoming that had an entry in the National Park Passport book, and let's see, today, Julie, we've gone to Fossil Butte, Grand Teton, Yellowstone, and this episode, we're going to be heading out to Devil's Tower. Yes, and I'm sure there's more than that, so that there might be a return visit to Wyoming. Yeah. But those are the big ones, the main ones that we had never been to. So it was quite a journey. Yeah. So last episode, we took you through the top highlights of Yellowstone National Park. Today, we're going to journey in the northern part of Wyoming. We made the drive from East Yellowstone, heading towards the state's eastern border, all the way to Devil's Tower. But before we get to that site, our first stop is going to be Cody, Wyoming. It's a great western town full of adventure and rich history. And Julius, let's go ahead and talk about how we got ourselves to Cody. We stayed on the east side of Yellowstone National Park for the last day of our trip at Yellowstone. And from there, it was just a half hour drive into Cody, Wyoming. For another reference, if you're in the central part of Yellowstone near Old Faithful, you would expect about a three-hour journey to get to Cody. Yeah, it takes a while to get from the center of Yellowstone even to the east side of the park. Because the park is so, um, it's massive. Humongous. Massive. Yeah. So as we were heading out, the first place that we passed was Buffalo Bill State Park. At least in my generation, we all know who Buffalo Bill was. Quite an iconic figure that came from the Wild West area in these parts. And this beautiful park takes its name after the legendary William F. Buffalo Bill Cody, who founded the nearby town of Cody in 1895. The park features miles of trails with breathtaking views of the majestic Absaroka Mountain Range and the Shoshone River. This state park is a destination for travelers who want to go fishing, maybe some horseback riding, or you just want to hit those trails and go on those beautiful nature hikes. It's quite a large park, and it does have two campgrounds at the state park to cater to tent and RV campers. The RV sites have electric and water hookups. This one's close enough to the east side of Yellowstone National Park, so if you have trouble getting reservations within the park, you could possibly get a reservation here and be close enough at least to the eastern section. One of the other attractions that is at the state park on the eastern edge of the Buffalo Bill Reservoir is the Buffalo Bill Dam. And it was Buffalo Bill Cody himself who originally proposed this dam project. In his day, he wanted to control the flooding river and use its water to develop 
agriculture in the region. Asking the federal government for financial aid, the Bureau of Reclamation built what would be at the time, in the year 1910, the world's biggest dam. This project proved to be a test for engineering skills before the construction of the famous Hoover Dam. Ultimately, seven workers lost their lives during the five years it took to build this dam, but the dam still stands there today. There's a visitor center on the premises that's open from early May through late September. There's a walkway at the top of the dam from which you can see fantastic views of the reservoir and Shoshone River. And if you're making your way out from Yellowstone to Cody, this could be a good stop for you. Let's move on into Cody. Cody, Wyoming has been called the best Western small town in the United States by USA Today. It's a place that boasts an authentic Western pedigree that stems from the town's founder, who, of course, was Colonel William F., or shall we say Buffalo Bill Cody. This gateway town to Yellowstone East Entrance is perhaps the last real cowboy town in the country. When you stroll down Sheridan Avenue, there's no mistaking that you're in a Western landscape. So let's kind of ride right into these highlights of Cody, Wyoming. And there are a few. One of the most prominent places that you'll drive by, we sure did, was Buffalo Bill Center of the West. And in this museum complex, you're going to find five separate museums all under one roof. You can see paintings there by the famous Western artist Charles Russell. And we've seen his paintings on Mm -hmm. our journeys in Montana. And this is the first time as Southern Californians that we ever, while in Wyoming, that we were introduced to Charles Russell. You can also see artifacts from Buffalo Bill's Wild West show and pieces highlighting the area's Western culture and life of the Plains Indians who've inhabited this area for thousands of years. You'll also find the Old Trail Town and Museum of the West. So if you want to soak up even more Wild West history, you could step in here. This place has 27 historic buildings, including Butch Cassidy's Hideout. Of course, in the town known as the rodeo capital of the world, you'll find plenty of summer rodeo action. Rodeo has been a part of Cody, this wonderful western town, since the turn of the century. The Stampede Rodeo is held every summer. It's a place you can see one of the longest-running professional rodeos in the country. The Cody Rodeo keeps alive the tradition of cowboys and ranchers who sought to improve their skills and entertain their peers when they had free time from ranching or cowboy work, which wasn't very often uh, because that's some really darn hard work there. From sunup to sundown. Yeah, yeah. So, and I personally have been to a rodeo, but I know for a fact that you have not. On my list of things to do. Yes. And I would love to experience one in Cody, actually. Yeah. If if I got to pick a place, it would be in Cody. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe we'll go back just for that. Yep. Yeah, so when you're in Cody, one of the things that, I mean, it struck me was this Old West vibe. And if you want to soak that up even more, one of the things that's available to you are the dude and guest ranches in the area. So it's a way to experience an authentic Western lifestyle. There's about 15 such ranches in the broader Cody region where you can spend time horseback riding, fishing, Soaking up the Western vibe and doing the things that people do at dude ranches. 
So yes. yeah, it would be a kind of, I guess, an experiential type of getaway. I, I, I experienced it real time. When I was oh, kid. when you were living on a yeah, ranch? because we were living on a ranch. Yeah. So With my aunt Sharon. You weren't paying for the experience. You were doing the I experience. I was doing it. Yeah. I was doing it, and it was fun. Yeah. Fun in terms of, of kid fun. I mean, we only had so many duties that we could do. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff we couldn't. But. And if you don't have an aunt who owns a ranch, you can go to <laughs> Cody and spend some time at an authentic dude ranch. Yeah. The busiest street in Cody is called Sheridan Avenue, and here you're going to find antique stores and shopping. You'll have souvenir shops for the western theme items that you're looking for, and there's plenty of restaurants in that area. You can get one of those cowboy hats here. I remember seeing so many of those. I used to have a cowboy hat, and I used to have cowboy boots. And boots. If you want boots or hats, yes. Sheridan Avenue, you're going to find them there. Yeah. One of the best landmarks on Sheraton Avenue is the Irma Hotel. Buffalo Bill Cody built this back in 1902, and he named it after his daughter, Irma. The hotel maintains classic Western decor to take you back to a time of bygone days. You can even enjoy a beverage at a room that happens to have a bar that is as long as the actual room itself, which... England's Queen Victoria had gifted to Buffalo Bill after he and his entourage performed his famous Wild West show for the Queen. That's pretty cool. Too bad there wasn't video back in the day. That would have been something to see Queen Queen? Victoria's reaction to that, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You can sometimes find nightly skits performed in front of this same hotel, which reenact scenes from the Wild West. Yes, they include lots of corny jokes, but it's all a bunch of modern Western fun for all us tourists that show up. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned, Julie, that there's lots of restaurants on Sheridan Avenue, and we stopped here for lunch, and mm-hmm. our trip there wasn't um, kind of an accidental find any place for lunch. You actually had a previously calendared appointment. Yes, I did. So for a good chunk of my life, I've done genealogy. And there's a lot of family members that were, you know, kind of close as far as generations go, but I didn't know them because they had lived in the Midwest and other places too. But I had stumbled upon through my genealogy research, one of my, it's actually my, my mother's cousin, his name was Mark. And I had contacted him, and he was just the most gracious, fun-loving, open person that I ever could have a blessing to meet. Yeah, and we found out that he lived close to Cody. Yes, so I had mentioned, I believe, that we were going to be out in Wyoming. And he mentioned that, well, where are you going? Because, you know, I live here, and it's really close to Cody. And I think I mentioned Yellowstone. Mm Mm-hmm. So we decided, okay, let's we're going to meet up and have a face-to-face contact instead of just texting or phone calls. So it was an extremely wonderful experience. And all I can say is that there is something to be said for family. And I think with my openness to... Meeting new family, it's opened the doors to meet people like Mark, who I felt like was just a part of me from the second I saw him. 
And um, he said, I, I look like his sister, hmm. and I, Patricia. And I thought, oh, that, that's cool. Because he was looking at me, and he says, you know, you look like my sister, Patricia. Hmm. And I was just like, wow. You know, so it was an amazing, amazing experience. And that's one of the things that I'd like to do more of, actually, is to get out there and find these people that are, are part of my history and go talk to them. Yeah. yeah. So, so for me, when, when I think back to that, and I think especially today when we live in this age of Ancestry.com and so many people are finding out about relatives that they didn't know about, is it can happen that when you're traveling that you may be going nearby places where you actually may have some family members, you know, maybe you know, a little bit distant that you otherwise wouldn't have known about other than maybe finding out about them on Ancestry. So if you know that you're going to be going someplace and if you have an, mm-hmm. a, an account like that, you can look up if any of your connections are in the vicinity mm-hmm. and kill two birds with one stone, do some vacationing slash traveling, and then also meet up with people that you may learn something about your family that you never knew about. And so, I sure did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I sure did. He was the youngest of my mom's uncle, Uncle Homer. And I knew Homer. So that was the, the big connection that we had because he knew that I had met his dad. So I was getting all kinds of stories about Homer and about um, his siblings. And it was really wonderful. And I was so happy that I had met him because unfortunately, within two years of this meetup, um, I lost him. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those things that I was so grateful for having that opportunity. Yeah, it's a good thing we took advantage of it. Yeah. And a big yep. bonus on, on this particular trip. Yep. Yep. So after leaving Cody, it would be about five hours to get from there to Devil's Tower. And along the way on that drive, We passed large expanses of land with barely any people, barely any towns. I think we did see pronghorn herds in the open land at certain places during our drive, and we saw probably more of them than people. And we made a few random stops on the way towards Devil's Tower National Monument. So, you know, when we were in the car for five hours, we kind of took the approach that, hey, if we pass by something and it seems interesting, we'll just pull the car over and check it out. And we did a few of those. One building that caught our eye was the Lower Shell Schoolhouse, or other known as the Stone School. And this was located on a bluff that was near Shell Creek. It sits alone in a landscape of grasswood overlooking the Shell Creek Valley. It is a small one-room schoolhouse, and it was built in 1903 and was one of the first buildings in the region that didn't use log construction. And that's why it still exists today, Mm. because most things that are made of log eventually burn down or just fall down in decay. It was used as a church, Sunday school, a community meeting place, or school for decades. This building was ultimately renovated as a single-family home, and was listed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1985. We drove up to it, we walked around the property, and we snapped some pictures because it was kind of interesting to us. Yep. I think it was like one of those buildings just in the middle of nowhere type of thing, and it, like you said, it just looked interesting. So It did. It was a pullover stop. 
Another pullover stop for us was uh, we were driving on the highway and there was the signage about Madison Limestone, kind of this mountainous area with a creek running through it. So we pulled the car over there and the sign said that the limestone in this area was dated at 330 to 360 million years old. So we just took a little time, walked around a bit, took some more photos and uh, continued on our way. But for folks who are interested in geology, I'd also say that this route between Yellowstone and Devil's Tower offers lots of many different geological examples. So you can split up part of your drive if you do your homework before your visit and scope out some additional interesting geological sites to explore as you're making your way between the western part to the eastern part of Wyoming, such as this Madison limestone area. About halfway in this drive, between Cody and Devil's Tower, we rolled into the small town of Dayton, Wyoming. The main road through this town is only about three blocks long. It really does have that small, tiny town village feel to it. Its population is only under a 1,000 people, and it was incorporated back in 1906 and has the distinction of electing Wyoming's first female mayor, Susan Whistler, in 1911. So again, we had an opportunity to stretch our legs, and we got out and wandered through Dayton Mercantile, which offers a variety of local goods and gift items, antiques. There's some food, you know, for snacks. This little town and probably many little towns in the area just give you that wonderful small town Wyoming feeling that um, made the trip what it was for us. And it was, I, I loved it. It was fun. It was mm-hmm. fun to do that. And after leaving Dayton, it was time to head off to our final attraction of the day. If you've ever seen the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind, then you have seen Devil's Tower. And, you know, I remember that I think both of us knew what Devil's Tower looked like. And I just remember driving and anticipating seeing this mammoth Yeah, and the excitement coming out of, of the seeing earth. it off in the distance yep. was like, and, it was awesome. Yeah, but ultimately we saw it. You can't miss it. And I guess, at least for me, I thought that this would be a place that didn't offer a whole lot. I thought the stop there was going to be really, really quick. Probably a place we just pulled the car up to, snapped a few photos, and then uh, on our way. But this is definitely a place that you're going to want to stop at for more than just five minutes. And why is that? Let me tell you about Devil's Tower. It's a monolithic tower that is 867 feet tall. It's slightly taller than a 50-story building. And a visit here is a near spiritual experience, as it has been for the Native Americans for centuries. It has been the site of sacred ceremonies and rituals for the Native Americans for thousands of years. We took so many pictures. We also stopped in the visitor center. That's that's a big thing for us. We love doing that. And then we explored the monument with, you know, a nice walk around its perimeter. There are several hiking trails here, and it is designed for people to take those walks around. So mm-hmm. it's very well maintained. All kinds of people can go on this hike. It's it's not hard at all. And I would suggest doing it because every angle of that tower was amazing. Yeah. And when when you're there, the thing that's striking about Devil's Tower is there's these 
plains with like nothing. You've got this flat land and then just out in the middle of this nothingness is this tower that shoots up, like you said, 867-ish feet or so. And then you, it makes you wonder how did this thing come to be? And so from the signage that's provided by the National Park System on location, it says that the origin of this obelisk does remain obscure. Geologists agree that the tower consists of molten rock that was forced upward from deep within the earth, though there's some debate as to whether the tower is solidified lava from the neck of an ancient volcano or whether it's a sheet of molten rock which was injected between rock layers. So there's a still a bit of a mystery for future geologists to help figure out. Geological estimates place the age of the tower at greater than 50 million years old, and it's likely that erosion uncovered the rock formation that we see today just one or two million years ago. And it was back in 1892 that Wyoming Senator Francis Warren launched an unsuccessful effort to declare the entire area a national park. But the area was bestowed with national monument status in 1906, and it was the nation's first national monument. When President Teddy Roosevelt signed the proclamation, the apostrophe for devils, D-E-V-I-L apostrophe S, was left out by accident. So the president signed the document with the misspelling, no apostrophe, That mistake was never corrected, and the spelling to this day without the apostrophe is what has stood through time. So that's a little fun fact on Devil's Mm -hmm. Tower. And while we call it Devil's Tower today, it has been known by many other names given to it by Native Americans, including Mythic Owl Mountain, Ghost Mountain, and Greyhorn Butte. On our way down the hill, we stopped and spent some time watching the prairie dogs, which make their home at the base of the monument. People, don't chase these animals or trod through their habitat. We saw both behaviors by tourists. It's very disturbing, very unfortunate that people have this type of behavior with wild animals. You should enjoy these animals at the roadside. You can take tons of pictures they're cute as a button, mm-hmm. but they're not they're not pets. They're not playthings. Yeah. I think I also remember I think there were spotting scopes available. So, you know, you could walk yes. up to the scopes and then, you know, get a, a glimpse through the uh, through the eyepiece of the prairie dogs in the distance. Yeah, yeah. There there was another spotting scope or a couple of them maybe at Devil's Tower itself yeah. that described a very specific area of Devil's Tower and I can't remember what that was mm-hmm. related to, mm-hmm. but I remember looking through the scope and there was some kind of ladder or something that somebody had climbed upon and it was still there. Yeah, so I believe that the very first people who ever ascended the tower did so with some kind of ladder contraption and that's the thing that I believe is still there today. It's like from the original people who made the ascent. Many, 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 many years ago. But you can climb the tower even today. Mm -hmm. If you want to scale the monument, you have to register at the ranger station both before and after your climb. There are about 150 rock climbing routes established on Devil's Tower. And the reason that you need to register after your climb is unfortunately, there have been three climbing fatalities 
at Devil's Tower since 1930. Overall, we probably were there for an hour and a half. Yeah, something like that, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the base of it is a nice, easy walk, and it didn't take that long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is one of those places that, I mean, it takes, if you're driving, it takes hours to get there. Mm-hmm. So I think another reason, you know, once you make your way to Devil's Tower, you'll you want to spend some time to appreciate it. And it's uh, just one of those sites you're never going to forget. It's, right. Yeah, it's very, very unique. And I believe there's some um, RV camping in the area. Yeah, there's a nearby KOA. And mm-hmm. I think it's, I believe it's on the grounds of that KOA where they did the filming of Close Encounters. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I read the, this this morning. And th- there's some other places nearby, and I know that because last year we were supposed to take a trip out to the Badlands of South Dakota. Mm-hmm. That was going to be another... We were going to go to Devil's Tower again. There, there was at least four or five yeah. RV parks in the area. Unfortunately, because of events in our lives, we had to postpone that itinerary for another day. So we are going back because that itinerary is all configured, all good mm-hmm. to go. We just need some things in our life to settle down. Yes, yes. <laughs> so so with that, that brings us to the end of this episode of our Wyoming trip. It's not the end. We still have a couple more things we're going to take you through. And we hope after listening to this, you're feeling inspired and ready to take on your own adventures in the great outdoors of Wyoming. If you get to Devil's Tower or other sites in Wyoming after listening to this podcast series, we'd love to hear from you. So drop us a note at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. And if you're not subscribing to us yet, take a minute to subscribe in Apple Podcasts spotify or your favorite source for podcasts and catch our future episodes you can even go back in the archives listen to our past episodes and we would really really appreciate it if you left us a review in apple podcasts you can also subscribe to our travel stories and information directly on our website theplaceswherewego.com and it's also where you can subscribe to our newsletter for weekly travel news highlights curated for you by us On our next episode, we're going to hop into the car and drive east of Devil's Tower when we'll cross the border into South Dakota and visit Mount Rushmore before resuming our Wyoming travels. So join us on our next episode. We'll continue taking you through our epic Wyoming journey through America's cowboy state. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Until next time, happy travels, and we hope to see you at the places where we go. Bye. If you have any comments or information to share with us about travel, you can write to us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram as The Places Where We Go. You can find us on Twitter as The Places Where One, the number one. And you can watch our travel adventures on YouTube, where our channel name is The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at the places where we go. See you next time. Bye now.